Well, good morning. As I said a minute ago, my name is Stephen. I'm the campus pastor of the North Klein campus of Champion Force. I'm thrilled to be with you guys this morning. Just a quick little bit about me. I've been married to my wife, Chelsea. I think there's a picture of us on the screen for about 16 years. We have three boys, ages 7, 9, and 12. They're a lot of fun, a lot to keep up with, and it means a couple of things. It means that I spend a lot of my time coaching baseball teams. I love that. I spend a lot of my time as a chauffeur getting kids where they need to be. And if you have kids or you've been around kids much, you know that I spend a lot of my time as a negotiator as well, right? I'm always negotiating with them to to get done what they need to get done. And just a very silly incident that happened at our house not too long ago, we're sitting down for dinner and of course, one of the three doesn't want to eat all of their food. Uh, In fact, they won't even try some of their food. And so it turned into this big thing, right? The, the older two, they, they finished their stuff, they did what they were supposed to do, they made the right choice, and they took off. Man, they're outside, they're rounding up kids up and down the street, there's a pickup baseball game going on in the cul-de-sac, they came in, they got ice cream, man, they're leaving the dream, doing what every kid wants to do, but the youngest is just sitting there stubborn in that chair, refusing to eat, listen to this, two green beans, that's it. He won't put two of them in his mouth and then just be done. And it's this ongoing thing. And his brothers are chirping in his ear saying, come on, man, it's easy. Just put it in and let's go. Make the choice. And, and he's in this position now where if he makes one choice, his entire night's changed. If he makes one choice, he unlocks the keys to joy and happiness in the life of a little kid. He's unlocking the key to ice cream and to friends and to baseball and to all of that. But he wouldn't do it. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, it's so easy, right? It's so clear from my perspective what you should do to put yourself in a much better situation. And as I thought about it that night, and I talked about it with my wife, I had this thought. I was like, how, how often does God look at me and think that same thing? Right? I've told him, told him what to do. I've lined it out, right? And then he's got this choice now to choose me or to choose the things of this world. And we're going to see that in God's Word this morning. If you've got a Bible, open up to Psalm chapter 1 with me. In Psalm chapter 1, we're going to see that, that we've got a choice to make. And this is a daily choice that we're called to wake up and make. It, it matters more than green beans or, or anything like that. It's a choice that's going to transform us. That's going to give us a blessed, happy, content, joy-filled life. Or, or that's not. And as we read, I pray that it's an easy choice for us, and we go where God's calling us to go. Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its seasons and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. If we were to sum up this chapter, one sentence at the top of the page, you could just write this, a blessed life or a happy life, a joy-filled life, a content life in all circumstances, like Paul writes about in the New Testament, right? A, a blessed life comes through delighting in the words of God. Look at the first word of verse 1 and realize that this is the first word of the entire book of Psalms here. It's blessed. And blessed means happy. 
Blessed means joy-filled and content in all circumstances. And that's something that we all want, right? That that's deep down in our hearts. That's a desire that we have. We find quotes all through history and in culture today showing a desire for happiness is set in our hearts. Taylor Swift just came through Houston. Did any of you guys go? It's, this is a safe place. You can tell us. I know some of you made the t-shirts and you were there, right? Listen to what Taylor Swift said. She said, my ultimate goal is to end up being happy, which means she's not there yet, if that's where she wants to end up. Listen, make no mistake, we, we want happiness, but happiness is a gift from God. You don't just end up that way. Right? It's something that, that God desires for us to experience. As we read his word, God tells us that, that happiness, that joy, that contentment is available in him. Every time we read about a person in the Bible that's described as joyful, happy, blessed, or content, every time it's a person that is in a relationship with God. Don't miss that. Right? Happiness isn't something that we just go out and search for. It's not something that we discover on our own out on a journey somewhere. In fact, there's a bunch of people that have made a mess out of their lives searching for happiness in places that they will never find it. Amen. We see in God's Word that true happiness is a gift from God and it's found only in a relationship with Him. Listen to what Randy Alcorn says in his book entitled Happiness. He says this, I've studied more than 2,700 passages of Scripture where words such as joy, happiness, gladness, merriment, pleasure, celebration, cheer, laughter, jubilation, exaltation, feasting, and celebration are used. And when you throw in the words blessed and blessing, which connote happiness, the number increases. God is clear in his word that seeking happiness in him is good and right. And that's the key, right? Happiness in God. And he clearly shows us in his word, especially in this psalm, that it comes down to the decisions, to the choices that we make. If you're taking notes this morning, our first point is simple. It's this. For a blessed life or a happy life, we have to say no to the influence of the world. Look at verse 1 again. It said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now there's a reason that the text is written this way. Look back at verse 1. If your Bible is still open, the verse could have said, don't sin, don't scoff, don't be wicked, right? It doesn't. Think about why not. It's because there's a contrast here. And the contrast here, it's not uh, wickedness versus righteousness. The contrast, the difference that we see in verses 1 and 2, it is influence. It's being shaped or transformed by the world or shaped and transformed by God, specifically the words of God. As believers... People seeking that joy and happiness in the Father, we have to know when to say no. Biblical wisdom has just as much to do with what we say no to and what we avoid as what we say yes to. Look at verse 1. His followers of Jesus, seeking to live out his word, seeking to have that blessed and happy life in him, this verse tells us that we must say no to sin. And if you look at the verse closely and pay attention to what's going on there, you'll see that there's a progression that would be wise for us to notice. Look, it says we must refuse to walk with the wicked, stand with the sinner, and sit with the scoffer. Walking, and then standing, and ultimately sitting. It is a downward spiral away from God and into the patterns of this world. Think about walking with the wicked. 
Walking gives us this picture of movement, uh, this picture of, of passing through, of being around. That first line in the text there, it, it's just simple association, right? But the next step is different. It, it's standing, right? Standing is different than walking. Standing means that you've stopped. Standing means that a person has now stopped in the midst of those who oppose God. It means that they're hanging out there, that they have planted their feet with sinners whose patterns of life don't honor God, with people who've decided that their way of life is more important or better than God's way of life. And then from standing, if you look at the verses, the next step is sitting. It shows a person that is going all in with the world, all in with those who are actively opposed to God, so much so that they've begun to mock the things of God. You see how sin works in this world? It's through influence. It's baby steps. No one jumps right away to sitting with the seat of, of the scoffers. It's a slow fade. It's a slippery slope, and it happens through the people that we allow to influence us. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Don't be deceived. Bad company ruins or corrupts good morals. We tell our kids this all the time, and there's no age limit on this. This is for seven-year-olds and 70-year-olds and everyone in between. We tell them, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Influence builds us. It shapes us. For that reason, it matters who we walk with, because eventually we'll stand with them, and if we stop and stand with them for a little while, we're going to take a seat with them. Make sure you're sitting in the right seat. Slow down and think about this. I want to encourage you this morning. You've probably never raised your hand and said, you know what, I want to be shaped by the world around me today. But too often, too often, that's what happens when we're not careful. Right? Think about the influences in our culture. Think about the influences in your life specifically. And an easy one to, to just, for an example for us, is, is the media that we consume. Whatever that is. I mean, it's books that we read, the social media we're on, the, the TV we watch, the online content that we download into to our minds. It, it gets in there. It shapes our hearts and it shapes us. We've seen that in our home these past couple of weeks. We watched one of the greatest baseball movies of all times with our kids not too long ago. You all know what it is, right? It's The Sandlot, right? Great, greatest baseball movies of all time. It, it, it's a great movie. It, kids out playing baseball in the neighborhood. It's fantastic. I hope that my kids go out and do that every single day, playing with their buddies, and that sort of become their pattern. But, but that shaped the words of some of the kids in our home. Right, our, One of our kids loved the catcher in that movie. His nickname was Ham because he was a big kid and he loved to be silly. He loved to hit home runs. He loved to mess around with the batters when they came up to the plate. He's the one that famously said, you play ball like a girl. He's the one that said, you're killing me, Smalls. And I cannot tell you how many times I have heard yelled in the backyard those two lines over the past couple of weeks. My seven-year-old walking around saying, you're killing me, Smalls, talking to his mom and dad, right? Why? Because it gets in there. Because it shapes us. It becomes a part of who, who we are. That's why these verses are here. Not just for, for our kids, right, but for you and me too. The question is, whose table of influence are we sitting at when we turn on that TV? Whose table of influence are we sitting at when we play that music? When we read those books? When we get on social media? When we get online. And listen, media is just one example of influence. Think about everything else going on in our lives, from our material possessions to the lifestyles that, that we're a part of, to even the sin nature or the, the sin habits that we might nurture or find temporary pleasure in. So listen, I'm with you. We might not ever raise our hands and say, hey, save me a spot at the table for all of those people that mock God. 
But if we're not careful with how we're influenced, we'll end up there. Take an honest look this morning at your life and who or what is influencing you. What is building up your mind? What is building up your heart? Walking, standing, and then sitting, there's a progression of this worldly influence that could draw us away from God. Look at verse 1 again. In verse 1, we see that blessing, that happiness comes when we are able to say no to that. And listen, saying no to that, saying no to the sin patterns of this world, it's not legalism. It's godly wisdom. It's common sense. James 4, verse 4 says this, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity towards God? This verse, it says, For a blessed and a happy life, we have to stop writing off things that are clearly ungodly as no big deal. This verse tells us, say no. No, I won't walk. No, I won't stand. No, I will not sit with those that are opposed to God. And our only hope, our only hope in saying no to the pleasures of this world is by taking pleasure in the word of God. We can't just be good at saying no. We have to say yes to God. That's our second point this morning. For a blessed life, for a happy life, we have to delight in the words of God. No to the world, yes to God. Look at verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the law of the Lord, he meditates day and night. As we seek the right influence, it's right here. It's the law of the Lord. It's the word of God. The blessed or the happy person finds their delight in the very words of God and ultimately in their relationship with God himself. Think about what you delight in. Right? Think about what that means. When, when your mind drifts off somewhere, what are you thinking about? Right? When you're daydreaming, when you're wondering, where does your mind go? Who are you thinking about? What circumstances, what situations are you thinking about? What do you look at and remember fondly in your mind? That's where you find your delight. Think about it. My kids. Birthday party a few weeks ago. They all had a blast. Right? I, I found delight in that, great delight in that. Going to bed that night, I was thinking about it. I was remembering the smiles and the laughter and the fun and the joy. Man, I, I delighted in that. The next day when I woke up and was driving to my office, I, I was thinking about that. I was remembering that. I was delighting in that. That's what we're supposed to do with the Word of God. Let it fill our heart. There's supposed to be joy that's wrapped up in there, pleasure that's wrapped up in there. The words of God given to us, they're a joy in our life, not a burden. They are a pathway, a choice that brings blessing and happiness to our lives. And in Psalm chapter 1, Verses 1 and 2, we see that's the mark of a happy person. That's what we read. Find a light in the Word of God and be blessed. Find a light in the Word of God and ultimately in God himself and be happy, be joy-filled, and be content. Let me ask you a question. Do, do the words of God make you happy? Do the words of God bring you joy? Do you delight in the words of God long after you put it down? Because that's what we're called to here, to find our delight in God's words. And let me just encourage you this morning, if, if that's not you, if that's not you right now, let me tell you that it absolutely can be. If you pl uh, struggle to find pleasure in the words of God, let me just gently say to you, it's very possible probable that the reason is you have other things you delight in more, other things that you desire more. Maybe it's sleep. You don't want to wake up and read it. Maybe it's scrolling 
on your phone. Maybe it's watching mindless TV. Maybe it's the, the patterns that inhabits that you have set in your life. If you'd say, I, I have trouble delighting in the words of God. My relationship with Christ is not great right now. Let me just encourage you with the Psalms. That's where we're at all summer long. You'll see over and over different psalmists and their psalms who struggled in their relationship with God who went through seasons where they felt distant or separated from God. And, and it seems like almost every psalm where you read that, at the end of the psalm, you see the resolution. You see the solution to bring us back into that loving connection with the Father. And that's through prayer and through intentionality. Right? In fact, there are very psalms where they're lamenting this distance, or prayers up to God, right? That they're praying to God. And so if that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you to pray. Ask God to grow his desire in your heart for his word. And as you pray for God to increase your desire and delight in his word, pick up your Bible and start reading. Right? Do what you know to be right and trust that your heart is going to continue to grow and develop an appetite for his word because you will never delight in the law of the Lord unless you begin to read the law of the Lord. Listen, read the word of God. And just as we saw progression with worldly influence, the walk, the stand, and the sit, we see that with the godly influence. Look back at verse 2. We go from delighting to meditating. Now, in the original language here, meditation basically means to, to speak or to mutter to oneself. Right? So when you think about meditating, you think about speaking or muttering to oneself, talking to yourself. Right? You ever walked in on someone that was talking to themselves? What would you think? They lost it, right? Every now and then I walk in the room and Chelsea appears to be talking to herself and I'm like, we've finally driven her over the edge. Right, this house is too crazy, she can't handle it anymore, and she's broken. And then I find out that she's on the phone with somebody. But it would be okay if she was talking to herself, because that's what God's Word tells us to do right here. Meditation is talking God's Word to ourself. Right? Whatever circumstance or situation we find ourselves in, the remedy for, the answer in that situation is to speak the Word of God to ourselves. That's what meditation is, right? Choosing the right influence because what we put in is going to come out in those moments of life, right? Let me give you this practically to show, show you what it looks like. And the best way that I can think to do this is just by showing you what it looks like in my life, right? When, when I'm anxious or nervous, right? when, when I'm wrapped up in, in situations that I just don't know how to work out, and I need my, my heart calmed and still, I, I speak, I meditate God's Word from Philippians chapter 4, to my life. I just say it. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but by everything in prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I speak that to myself. That's meditating on the word of God. When I'm afraid, I learned this as a kid when I struggled with fear, right? Psalm 56, 3, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you Lord, I'll trust in you. God, I speak that to myself. When I struggle in those moments of fear, when I'm tempted, I go to Matthew chapter 4, and I remember the words of Jesus as he's talking to, to the enemy, and he says, listen, man doesn't live on, on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, I, I have to speak God's word to myself in those moments. When I'm thankful, I remember James chapter 1, every good and perfect gift comes from, from the Father. I'm angry. Go to James chapter 1, slow to speak, right? Quick to listen, slow to become angry. When I'm driving around on, on the roads here in Houston, especially getting off 290 and getting in to this parking lot, 
I meditate on Psalm 64, verse 7, that says, but God will shoot at them with an arrow. And suddenly, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not, that last one's not, not true. Um, listen, we're told here, delight. Delight in the word of God. Let it be what shapes your heart. Let it be what strengthens your mind. And then speak it to yourself. Speak the word of God to yourself in whatever situation you're walking through right now. Blessing and happiness come through that relationship with God and delighting in his word. And you won't delight in it unless you read it. Listen, that's a lot of words this morning. Just simply say this. Choose the right influence. Allow the word of God to be what builds you up. And as we move on to these next few verses, let me just share a practical reality when it comes to reading and meditating on the word of God. Right? If that's not your pattern, if that's not your habit, and you're seeing this morning that the wise and right choice is for that to be your pattern or your habit, let me just say, you are uh, exponentially more likely to make that your pattern or your habit if you do it with other people. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harms. You're more likely to succeed in the reading and delighting and meditating of God's Word if you do it with other people. Your spouse, your, your friends, your family members, maybe a life group class here. If you're serious about it today and you know this needs to be your pattern, tell somebody and ask them to do it with you. If you're not sure where to start, start in Psalm chapter 1. We're on Sunday mornings. We're in Psalm all summer long. Open the Bible. Begin to read it. Delight in it. Speak it to yourself. And God's word says that we will be blessed. That's the plan, right? Not allowing our hearts to be influenced by the world. Yes, allowing our hearts to be influenced by the word of God. And know this, the influence that you choose, it will transform you. Right, one way or another. Look at verses three and four. We've we've got a picture here, right? And this is a picture that is in Scripture that should foster this desire in us to delight in God's word, but not just foster a a desire. We're given a picture that so should solidify our decision to actually do it. We've got a visual. Look at verse three. The one that says no to the world and delights in the word of God, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. It yields its fruit in season, its leaf doesn't wither, and all that he does, he prospers, but the wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Verse 3, a tree planted by streams of water. That matters. Right? The water is life to the tree in the same way that the words of God bring life to you and to me. Have you noticed recently that it's hot around here? It's going to be a hot week, isn't it? I'm sweating just thinking about it, but, but we have it better than some people. I read that there's some cities in West Texas that are going to top 120 degrees this week. It is going to be hot, but there's some places out there where the trees are big and where they thrive and they're green, right? Think about floating the river, if you've ever done that, the, the Kamal, the Guadalupe, the Frio River. Uh, there, there's trees that line these rivers. There's a picture of them that they can put on the screen. There's trees that, that line these rivers, and no matter how hot it gets outside, those trees get big and, and strong. And if you look at the bottom, you'll see why. It's because their roots are in the water. They are soaking up the, the life that comes from that water. And no matter how hot it gets outside, they stay strong and they stay healthy. Now, these trees look different than the trees and the plants and the flowers in my front yard. Um, I can say this here because my wife's not, not in here. I'm just joking. She knows this. But, but sometimes... To save some money in the summer, I'll sneak in and I'll turn off the sprinkler system just to save a little bit of money 
And I'll turn it back on when I see the flowers in the front flower bed beginning to droop a little bit, beginning to sort of sag a little bit. And I'll go turn it back on, and I'll give them some water, and they'll perk back up, and, and it'll be fine. I sort of do that back and forth. Now, that's two different approaches, right? One constant water with the roots deep down in there, and one is inconsistent and infrequent water. One keeps plants strong and healthy and growing and vibrant, and one, one plant doesn't. And here's the reality. And if you're a believer in Jesus... And our spiritual life is going to mirror one of those two approaches. We're either going to stay connected to the water day in and day out. We're going to get life from delighting in the Word of God, from meditating on the Word of God, from speaking the Word of God over and over to ourselves, or we won't. And let me just tell you, the Morris Sprinkler System approach, that's not the pathway to a happy and blessed and content spiritual life. You, you, can't, you can't just drop in here on Sunday for 30 minutes and engage the Word of God and think that is enough water for the week. You can't drop into a life group every couple of weeks and think, man, I'm, I, I filled my tank. I'm good to go for a little while. You can't do life apart from God, apart from His Word. You can't uh, forsake the delighting of His Word. You can't forsake the meditating of His Word in your life and then run to God when you begin to feel a little withered, a little bit dry, and all of a sudden be transformed into that, that strong tree that we read about in verse 3. These verses tell us that, that we need, right? We, we are designed and created for the refreshment of the Word of God in our lives over and over and over again. Look at verse 3. When we delight in the Word of God, when we speak it into our life, three things are true about us. The first is this. When we delight in the Word of God, we are fruitful. Think about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You've been around these fruitful people, right? You've been around these people that exude the fruit of the spirits. They're refreshing, right? Because the water that's refreshing them, the word of God that is refreshing them, it's pouring out on you when you are with them. You leave them feeling encouraged and feeling strengthened. You leave them with this taste for spiritual things in their lives, that their words bring life to you, that they're healing, they're convicting, they, they are enlightening. You know why? Because those people are delighting in the Word of God. They are meditating on it, speaking the Word of God to themselves, and then speaking the Word of God to the people around them as well. Their lives, their lives are bearing fruit. Not only that, right? Verse 3 says, those planted by the water, they're fruitful, yes, but, but they don't wither. Meaning this, when we delight in the Word of God, we are durable. Amen. Think about those trees on the river. Hot outside, that's fine. It's fine. The roots are in the water. Drought coming, doesn't matter. They are constantly refreshed by flowing, life-giving water. The windstorms are coming. We've had a bunch of those around here recently. It doesn't matter. The trees aren't going to fall because their roots run deep because they are in that living water. And the same is true for those that delight in and meditate on the words of God. Real life's hard, isn't it? Real life's challenging. We face struggles. We get hurt. Things pop up that, that we aren't anticipating. I sat in a hospital room just a few weeks ago with a family that was, was losing, uh, losing dad, lose, losing husband, who just, just two weeks before was 100% healthy with not a problem in the world. Turned like that. And the day that, that he was passing away, his family sat there. 
And they prayed over him, and they prayed for one another, and they had worship music filling that hospital room. I just sort of stepped back and watched their interaction with one another, their interaction with him. They were meditating on the words of God in, in the midst of, of unexplainable tragedy. They were meditating on the words of God in the most shocking and painful situation of their lives. The word of God sustained them. The word of God carried them. The word of God protected them. They're hurting, yes. They're going to struggle, absolutely. But they're going to be okay because they're meditating and delighting in the word of God. They're not going to wither. They're, they're going to be okay. And then finally, the, the, the word of God. Look at verse 3. God's word says it makes it prosperous. So delight in the word of God and be prosperous. It's right there in verse 3. What does that mean? If I'm, if I'm delighting in the word of God, my business is going to be great. My family is always going to be healthy. Is that prospering? Sometimes. Isaiah 64, 2 Chronicles 16. We, we read there are times in God's word where, where he blesses in that way. But as we read the whole Bible, we know that not every blessing looks like that. Right? God is at work in our hearts. God is at work for our hearts. God is at work for our eternity. And as we delight in his word, we understand that we'll prosper, that we will grow in our relationship with him even in those hard times. Romans 8, 28 reminds us of that. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So as we delight in the word of God, the picture is fruitful, durable, and prosperous a strong, well-watered tree. But these verses paint another picture for those that haven't been influenced by the word of God. Look at verse four. The wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff is the opposite of the tree that we just talked about, meaning those not influenced by the word of God, those that, that, that are, are pulled away by the world end up being fruitless, rootless, and ultimately useless. After a harvest back then, the farmer would work to separate the grain from the chaff, the remnants of broken straw and dried out husk. And, and what they'd do is they'd get their winnowing forks and they would stick it in the pile and they would toss it up into the air. And the grain that was there that was still good, it was heavy. There was substance to it. And so it would drop right back down in front of them. But the chaff that, that this verse talks about, the chaff, it was dry and it was weightless and the wind would take it and it would ultimately be carried away, right? Be taken away from, from the farmer, separated from the good and gone. Chaff is the perfect visual that we see in God's word for something that is passing and for something that is useless. Look at the two pictures on the screen, right? You've got the chaff and you've got the, the tree. And as we're thinking about choices, as we're thinking about what we're going to allow to build us and to influence us, the, the two pictures that God's word give us this morning, it, it, it makes it painfully easy. The wicked won't be able to stand when judgment comes. There's no place for them. We read at the end of this chapter in the family of God, they had a choice and they chose the temporary pleasures of the world. One choice leads to a, a destiny of judgment and loss. I can promise you regret. Another choice leads to stability, leads to strength. It leads to, to contentment, to joy, to happiness, like a tree planted by streams of water. God lines it out, and he gives us the choice. And it seems like, as we read Psalm 1, it's an easy choice 
to make. This morning as we leave here, I want to encourage you to make sure that the living water, the words of God, are what feeding your soul each and every day. Would you pray with me? As we take a moment with our heads bowed, just let this sink into your mind for a minute. The fact that a blessed life comes through delighting in the words of God. And as we bow this morning, I just want to take a moment to interact with God's word. If you're a believer in Jesus today, let your prayer be, no matter where you might find yourself this morning, let your prayer be, Father, help my delight to be found in your word. God, increase that passion, increase that desire for your word. God, give me that joy that comes from knowing your word. God, help me to meditate on your word day in and day out. And listen, I'm not sure what you came in here with. I'm not sure what you've been carrying or, or what's been going on in your world. But I can tell you this, God's word speaks to it. And so let me encourage you this morning. Meditate on the words of God in your circumstance, in your life. Ask God for wisdom from his word, clarity from his word. And then begin to speak his word into your life, into your situation day in and day out. If you're here this morning and... And you heard me say earlier that, that a lot of people have been chasing happiness in places they'll never find it. And you feel like you've been chasing happiness only to never find it. You feel like you've been running after everything that you could possibly imagine. And there's still something missing. I can tell you what's missing is a relationship with Jesus. That's you this morning. You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. And I want to encourage you. In just a minute, we're going to have prayer partners down front. Come pray with one of us about trusting Christ as your Savior. If you've got something going on in your life and you want us to speak God's word over you into what's going on, come forward, let us pray with you about that. If you're ready to be baptized, if you want to join our church family, or if you've got a burden that you've been carrying around and you don't want to carry it alone, in just a minute, I'm going to pray. Our prayer partners will be here. That's your invitation to come, to pray with one of us this morning. Don't leave here carrying what you brought in here. Let the people of God in a relationship with God come around you. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. God, we thank you for your word and the life that's found in it. God, and that life is in your word because your word points us to you and to that relationship with you, Father. Lord, I pray that every person in here, God, that all of us, God, day by day, we would be built up as we delight in your word, as we speak it, as we meditate it over our lives, God, always choosing you and what you have for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Our prayer partners are coming forward now. If you want to pray with someone, now's your time. Please come. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.